Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And the Owl Chat Podcast is back with a later week edition of the midweek update. We've got somewhat of an abbreviated flyover this week as some of the fall sports have concluded, but we will touch on everything that happened around the state of Kennesaw athletics. Um, we've got a basketball game to talk about. We've got a ton of football offers to talk about, and we've got some baseball commits to talk about. So, as always, I am joined in studio by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer and producer Nick. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I'm doing great, man. Um, got to see a basketball game on Wednesday. Uh, you know, I love the a little bit of midweek action. So I'm excited to talk about that and uh, some other stuff as well. Uh, how are you doing, producer Nick? I'm doing really well. Uh, a lot of numbers flying around about recruiting classes make me excited. So I'm sure we'll talk about that later on as well. But I'm feeling really good today. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of a stacked uh, stacked midweek out of nowhere for us. Um, but anyways, we'll uh, get to it with the flyover, starting with soccer per usual. Uh, the season is over. We went through the class um, that signed last week on the midweek. So if you want to check that out and get all up to date, um, there you go. But nothing else happened in the soccer world. Um, golf, both men's and women's golf have concluded for the fall season. Um, so they will not return till the spring. Um, men's tennis was also inactive. Um, but women's tennis was in play at the Stetson Invitational to complete their fall season um, and compiled six singles victories and 11 doubles victories. Uh, Lauren Nadashka and Ivana Grasova were the highlights of the turnover, uh, tournament, uh, going 3-0 in doubles. Um, and then women's cross country competed in the NCAA regionals and finished with the school best um, 11th place. Um, so great week for them. So we have some errors and omissions this week. Uh, I said on the football post game that the KSU football account posted a picture of Michael Benefield along with a bunch of the other seniors that sort of implied that uh, Benefield would not be returning. So I thought it was safe to assume he was done. However, offensive coordinator Chris Klonakis has since tweeted after the game, Proud of KS Union for enabling KS Union hashtag for enabling Michael Benefield to become the first running back to post four 100 yard rushing games in school history. The streak continues into next season. So perhaps Benefield is coming back or at least could be coming back. So don't close the book on him uh, just yet. Volleyball, we do have a bunch of news. Um, Manu Johnson has made the All-A-Sun uh, first team. Uh, Emma Scherfranz was uh, named All-A-Sun second team in her final season. And Olivia Barrage and Courtney Brown both made the A-Sun All-Freshman team. So the future is bright there. Uh, Kennesaw State uh, beat Queens and Bellarmine last week to get sole possession of a 10-6 and record, which also means sole possession of the four seed in the tournament, which is being held. It actually started yesterday at uh, Florida Gulf Coast, but we don't know the results because this is being recorded on Thursday morning. Um, we played uh, North Alabama again. I don't know what the results are going to be, but we did beat them uh, three sets to one earlier this season. Um, there's not going to be reseeding, so um, I believe that means we'll play the winner of Florida Gulf Coast and whoever they're playing. I don't know, but they got one loss, so it's likely going to be uh, FGCU versus the winner of KSU UNA. And hopefully right now, by the time you're listening to it, uh, Kennesaw State will be getting ready to play. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we also have some women's basketball news. 
Uh, Kennesaw State has offered uh, Michaela Taylor, 2025-63 forward from Langston Hughes High School in Atlanta. Uh, Kennesaw State women's basketball dropped a road contest to Georgia State in Atlanta by about uh, 10 points. I actually made it more interesting by tweeting, if uh, women's basketball won the game, I would donate $100 to the program on the spot. Uh, unfortunately, Kennesaw State did not win. My wallet stays fat. However, I am giving um, Kennesaw, a ch the women's team, another chance this Sunday against Georgia Tech at 2 p.m. $100 on the line for that one. So uh, let's go, Owls. Um, we got some men's basketball news. Uh, the men's basketball team uh, touted on a release on uh, on Wednesday morning and also during the game against uh, Kieser, Kaiser, whatever, um, that uh, we have the 27th best uh, recruiting class in 2024 ahead of a bunch of high majors, which would mean that this class is the top class uh, from a non-Power 5 school. And this is according to uh, Rivals and based off the five players that were signed this week. You can check out all about that on KSUowls.com or my site, KSUowlHowl.com, which lists all the recruiting information you need. Uh, getting to the game, uh, Kennesaw State men's basketball um, did beat uh, Kieser, Kaiser, whatever, on Wednesday, uh, 101 to 55. Uh, it was a rough first half shooting wise, especially the first 15 minutes or so. Uh, but I didn't feel like the game was ever in question because the Owls controlled the glass and you could tell the size and athleticism and the defense was going to be too much. Uh, the Owls had 27 assists to 10 turnovers and won the rebounding battle 63 to 38. Uh, Quincy Adam Okoye got back on track, hitting three of seven triples. And the Owls set a lot of records. Thanks to Coach Petway's fast-paced offense, the Owls attempted a school record 52 threes, which beat the old record of 39 from 2009. The Owls had the most field goal attempts in a game with 87, besting the record of 85 from 2010 versus USC Upstate. Uh, the Owls tied uh, the record for fourth place in team assists with 27, also broke their own rebounding record by eight with 63 overall. Previous record was done twice, tied at 55 as recently as 2017 versus Stetson. Um, it's crazy how we're setting these records. And honestly, it's due to the intense change in style of play compared to what KSU's ever done before. Uh, reminds me of the football team setting records earlier this season, just based on the new offense. For example, when Carson Kent set the all-time record for receiving yards for a tight end in like the first game and all these passing yards records are going to be crushed and all of that kind of stuff. That is going to be set here real soon with, you know, receptions and all that kind of stuff. Um, doesn't necessarily make it better, but it's different. And, um, you know, I'm I'm used to it. It's exciting. And I think we can see why so many players are excited to sign on the dotted line and uh, play for Coach Petway. Um, but, Kai, what were your thoughts on the uh, the Kaiser, Kaiser, whatever game? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll stick with Kaiser. Um... So we got, we got up to a slow start. I think it was like 25, 22, about 10 minutes into the game. And we're like, man, what is happening? I think we started like O of 11 from three. Um, but there was a certain point of the game where you realize that Kaiser was unable to get anything inside the perimeter and every shot they put up was contested. So it's like, okay, you're going to live with the ones that they hit. Um, and then you're just going to outrun them on offense. Um, 
I was worried um, a few minutes into this game. Uh, guys were not shooting well. Like I said, we started 0 of 11. Cottle started like 1 of 7. Um, I think Adam McCoy started 0 of 4. Um, and I tweeted out, it's time to have a conversation about Adam McCoy's involvement in this offense. And he must have heard me because he caught fire in the second half and I think finished with uh, 15 points. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure. 15 I don't have points. 15 it. points. That is correct. 15 points on 3 of 7 shooting from 3. So we hit his last 3 of the game. Um yeah, like I said, Cottle got off to a slow start, but he finished really well. Um, RJ Johnson is still the man. Uh, he's the only player who's played great in every game thus far this season. Uh, Frank Juan Sherman had a double-double. Um, weirdly enough, uh, the spark that kind of got us going in the first half when we were struggling was Armani Harris. When we subbed him in around the, the nine-minute mark, he came in, he had a bucket, um, and you could tell that the energy was just a little different. We started going a little bit more up-tempo. The ball of movement looked better. Um, we started winning the battles on the glasses that we should have been winning from the jump. Cause you know, we came out and we were, um, you know, I don't know if we were getting out rebounded, but we were losing some 50, 50 balls that we had no business losing. Um, so once we got comfortable, um, the game was over. Um, yeah, uh, it's hard to read into these NIIA games, of course, like it was against Oakwood Kaiser looked a little bit better. They looked a little bit more like a real basketball team than Oakwood did. You know, their players weren't wearing, um shirts from other schools and warm-ups um and their coaches had like <laughs> you know nice um pullovers and stuff um but still yeah, not going to read too much into it it's a nice win um we've only got one more of these you know no-name schools to play this year so glad it's hey, over with excited for this uh tournament coming up well it spells what could be the season a lot of feast or famine uh you know a lot of you know, just bring it, letting it rain on other teams, yep. you know, lots of runs and then a lot of dry spells. So, right. you know, um, I think coach Petway, you know, said it best at the halftime interview. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but he's like, man, I'd be a, basically he said, I'd be a hypocrite if I told these guys to stop shooting. And yeah. I agree with him. Um, you know, we have to play the same way we'd play versus Kaiser versus you know our next game against georgia southern otherwise right. we wouldn't be preparing well you know what i mean like we couldn't just say all right give it to demand and rock and ranji down low every single time and stop shooting man these guys have so much freedom it's just it's just so exciting to watch but can also be ugly if we miss our shots right absolutely um and you know i don't know if we're going to come out like that against georgia southern because it's like against oakwood and against fsu uh i think we shot 33 points three pointers against Oakwood and then 25 against FSU, um, which is a lot, but nowhere near the 52 that we put up in this game. So it seemed like there was a clear and distinct game plan um, for the Kaiser game, which is odd. Um, maybe he was just experimenting. Maybe it was like, Hey, you know, we're not taking these guys all too seriously. Give them on the green light. Um, well, I think so, Kaiser was packing the paint a bit and just kind of giving, you know, this their strategy is true. perhaps was to give us the, you know, three balls and three ball. And if it's there, you know, we're not going to say no to it. You know what I mean? Still though, it was like, we would take the first look um, on 80% of our possessions. I mean, and, you know, and, some and of them... kind of the, I think that's the plan going forward. And, you know, we just didn't have those quick looks versus a team like Florida state. And the interesting thing is going to be this for these next three games, you know, how often can we get these great looks from uh, Kaiser? Uh, against right. Kaiser keys or whatever um, versus uh, Florida state, you know, the mid major, there's got it. There's some like a happy balance. You know what I mean? They're not, right. you know, they're going to have more size and athleticism, but they're not going to be freaking Florida state. So can we get these looks? Right. And yeah. They're, yeah. They're D one athletes, but um, it's going to be, 
really interesting to watch. We got a pretty lucky draw of mid-majors. Uh, Georgia Southern doesn't look all that great. Neither does Northeastern. ECU looks okay, but it's too early to tell with all of them. Um, yeah, I would like to see um, more pick and roll action um, with DeMond and Burden or DeMond and Cottle. Um, I agree. You know, we saw a lot of that in the Nate Oates offense at Alabama, which it seems like Petway is somewhat trying to replicate, as producer Nick just pointed out. Um, yeah, I I don't want to abandon the post game completely. Um, we went there almost not at all last night. And like you said, Kaiser was packing the paint, and that might have just been a situational thing. Um, but DeMond is great in the post. And, you know, even against a guy like, uh, I forget the kid's name, at Xavier, um, that seven-footer they had, I think it was Jack Nungy. Um, you know, he was killing him on the pace in the, in the, in the paint, you know, in, in the post. Um, so I hope we don't abandon that. I want to see more pick and roll action. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of how we're playing burden. Um, he's turned into somewhat of a spot up shooter, um, when he's not taking the ball up the court, which I don't love. Um, I think he's way better with the ball in his hands, but also it's, it's difficult because Cottle is too good to, you know, be coming off the bench and playing the five to 10 minutes that he was last year. Um, so still a lot of figuring out to do. Um, I think we're going to get a better feel of what this team is going to be um, this weekend. Absolutely. And the ball's going to be moving around uh, a lot more. We're not going to get those, you know, open threes against, you know, not a ton, not as many against, you know, George Sutton. So I imagine, you know, when those looks don't come, you know, going inside to Robinson to draw a double team is just, you know, and he kicks it back out. We, we throw it around, get an open look. So um you know, that's just going to be the start of it. But I'm I'm excited to see, you know, where things go. Um, RJ Johnson has been beyond impressive. Um, and something else to watch this weekend on Sunday. Uh, Charlie Henry is the coach at Georgia Southern who was mm-hmm. on staff with uh, Petway at Alabama. So I'm sure those guys are going to be, uh, you know, talking some shit uh, before the game in text and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. uh I don't know how much shit uh, Charlie Henry is going to be talking. I've, I've seen the results of the first four games, so I think we can I think we can take them. Yeah, Bama, the only school ever to have all three assistants take head coaching jobs in the same offseason. Crazy, crazy stat. Where was the other one? Arkansas State? Um, I believe so. I think that's right. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them on our schedule next year in that case, you know. That is the team we would play. Um, but you talked about R.J. Johnson a little bit. I want to talk about him a little bit, too. Um, I was encouraged by his willingness to shoot the three. He had four attempts. He hit two of them. Um, his shot looks like kind of a line drive and that needs to be worked on. It looks kind of like Demon's shot, but you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He was 50%. So we'll take it. Um, but there is a clear, clear talent difference between him and a lot of the guys on our roster and other rosters. Um, you know, he's still catching up to the whole speed of the game at the D one level at the college level, I should say. So there's still going to be that adjustment period. Um, but everything I've seen so far, uh, tells me that he's going to be really, really good. And this is going to be his team in a year or two. It's going to happen quickly. And I think he, you know, I think his ceiling is higher than Chris Youngblood's and that's not a shot at Youngblood, great player, but you know, RJ Johnson can, I think, you know, just, you know, just, I think do a bit more. Sure. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, where that goes, but, uh, I told, I had a great point, totally forgot it. So let's move well, on. I was going to say, before we move on, um, I was thinking about something like this last night. I think, you know, with the, the current guard rotation right now, I like having burden and Cottle play a lot. They're both, you know, really good players. And I think Cottle is a better player right now, but it's really hard for me to say that, uh, Johnson doesn't have a way higher ceiling than Cottle does as a player. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that, you know, a few years down the line. Obviously, things get a little easier when Burden graduates. Um, maybe we get like a, a Cottle at the one, RJ at the two type of deal. Um, but them jostling for playing time is going to be a good problem to have. Cottle can still, you know, be a much better college player than he is right now. Um, I don't oh, want to put feeling on him, but, you know, RJ Johnson, as far as like pro potential because of his size and, you know, explosiveness. Uh, but Cottle, man, if he, you know, if he gets a little bit better finishing at the rim, can take another year to get his shot a little bit more right and get his consistency up. I mean, he could be, you know, easily an all-conference player in the A-Sun. Now, as far as Conference USA goes, I'd have to, you know, I my kind of theory on all sports, I'm ignoring it until we actually join the Conference USA. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Fair enough. And, you know, I want to emphasize nothing against Cottle at all. I think he's a great player now, and I think he's only going to get better. I'm just saying I think RJ is special. I, yeah. I, I think he's the most talented player on this roster. Um, and that's, with, that's been my number one takeaway so far this season. And with the way that we're playing, you know, with all these threes and shooting, we need bigger guards. And I think that's exactly what was addressed in this recruiting class mm-hmm. um, with three, six, four, six, five, six, six types, uh, you know, just looking at the roster and how it's, you know, laid out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I th- I think our target date for that next big push is probably going to be two years from now. Um, not mm-hmm. to say we can't compete this year, not to say we'll be bad next year, but that would put, you know, we'd have, assuming Holt is out this year, you'd have mm-hmm. Jason Holt, who I think can be really good. You'd have RJ Johnson as a junior, Frank Juan Sherman as a junior, and you'd mm-hmm. have, you know, this next foundation class as sophomores. That's mm-hmm. five people. And plus whatever else, you know, we can add and bring in. So mm-hmm. that's my, you know, you know how Amir took four years this I'm kind of targeting that year to be that like right. that damn good team. Right. There's a ton of talent on this team and there's going to be a ton of talent coming in down the road. Um, the question is always going to be development. Um, say what you want about Amir. Uh, I think he was a great coach, but one thing you cannot knock him for is development. I mean, the progression of a guy like Terrell Burden or even a Demond Robinson, who was, you know, like a, a starter, but maybe the fourth or fifth option at a team like Murray state um, who became, you know, arguably the second most impactful player on the team last year, um, I think is undeniable. So that's going to be the the testing ground um, next year and the year after that, um, just to see how these guys gel together and get better. Yeah. Um, Cause you don't want to just throw a bunch of athletes out there and tell them to shoot 53s a game and just see what happens. Um, yeah. I guess that's kind of the fear right now. I don't think that's going to happen, um, but yeah, just we'll see how it goes, man. I mean, Pet, you know, Petway and his staff, you know, I think, I think he has a pretty solid staff, you know, Robert Kirby um, is a veteran. He's been coaching since like the freaking seventies. You have Willie Watson, who's highly regarded in pretty much all circles. So I'm not, you know, I think we'll do just fine in the player development. You know, we just need to see how everything comes together. And, you know, like I said, man, I want, I want to see these big guards, these Adam McCoya types um, that I think we need. Um, you know, Jamel King has struck, struggled again with his shot. It was like one for seven from three. Um, you know, that's the type I love King, his athleticism and all that. But that, you know, we need people that can knock down the shot with a little bit more consistency. I'm not saying Jamel can't do that. It's only been three games, super small sample size. But he's going to have to start, you know, hitting those shots. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, right now we don't really have the depth to really, you know, push, you know, push guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we need uh, we need true wings, is what you're saying, essentially. Um, Adam McCoya, you know, he, he might be listed as a guard, but he's a true wing. Um, you know, let the guards be physical. Let the guards be the guys who get to the paint. Um, have guys who can shoot over people outside on the perimeter. Um, it's great that we have Adam McCoya. I was getting a little worried about him because I think he started this year like one of 12 from three, but he picked it up last night. You know, that's how shooters work. It's streaky. Hopefully he's adjusted. Um, but yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. Um, yeah. We I mean, did not land a true big in this recruiting cycle, and I don't know whether to be concerned about that or not. Um, you know, I was thinking that as, I was thinking that as well, but you know, Makai Turner is uh six eight. He blocks a lot, at least in high school, you know, just tremendous timing, you know, shot blocker, that kind of thing. So I, you know, Braden Lou, I don't know if they're planning on, you know, putting him down low or what the maybe they're planning on um getting a transfer. Um right. and just you know using that one spot to bring in big. I don't I don't know what it's gonna be because we're also losing, you know, LaRue and I guess Harris is considered a big as well. Um is I'm sure Ronji Ronji Gordon might be coming back. Uh mm. but I, I definitely see what you mean. And we might be go like I said, we might be going small. Just, you know, if you can't shoot, you know, you're maybe, you know, he'll sacrifice some size for a guy with some guard skills. Yeah. It's hard to call a lineup where you trot like three guys out there who are six, seven plus a small ball lineup. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to have a true big on the roster who's playable at some point, just, you know, situationally, he doesn't have to be a starter, but, you know, get me somebody who's six eleven and can hold down the paint when we need to, you know, and can go up against some of the bigger guys in conference USA. Um, I think that's important. Maybe we do go out and get a transfer. I'm not sure how many roster spots or scholarships we're going to have left available. Um, Cause just off the top of my head, you know, Burden's going to be gone. Robinson's going to be gone. LaRue's going to be gone. Harris is going to be gone. Um, Am I missing anybody? Because we're bringing yeah, five in. Yeah, I think you're missing one. I'm not sure who it is, but you know, trust me, we'll be. You know, somebody's probably going to be unhappy. Somebody's Somebody. or will make room. Uh, you know, somehow. Um, so I, I think we can find. You know, maybe Adam McCoya graduates. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. You know, there's maybe. there's ways to make room. Yeah, maybe one of those end of the bench guards ends up doing something else. Who knows? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So you, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm not, I'm not worried about it now. It's always good to have like an open spot, but I, I really can't imagine we're not, we're done making moves right now. I, I can't imagine that this is it. Right. I mean, we're bringing in a big class. Five in 2023 is a huge class. I mean, we were looking at the the rankings. UGA only signed one kid, um, so I'm assuming they're going to go heavy on the portal. But they signed one kid. It was a five star. I think he was. Um, Dominique Wilkinson, but it's like, you know, times are changing. Um, I, I, as a mid-major basketball fan, I'm a fan of bringing, you know, high school players in rather than farming the transfer portal. I just like watching development. Um, so I do like where it's going. Um, but yeah, true big is the biggest question going into next off season. Um, maybe we don't need it. Maybe we'll be fine. We made a tournament with Demond Robinson being our, you know, big paint presence. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know how Conference USA is looking when it comes to bigs, but I imagine it's a step up. You'd want to have somebody with some size, you know. 100%. Um, you'd probably run into more, you know, true bigs than, you know, the at least at the top end than you would in right. the uh, the A-Sun. Right. Um, so. I think um, Conference USA is also playing a bigger role in our success in recruiting than we're probably talking about. Um, and I think it's going to play a bigger role in player retention um, than we've also talked about. Um, Cause you know, the a sun is a really, really good basketball conference, but it, it's, it's a low major conference. If we're being real, it might be the best low major conference, but 
Um, most people would consider it a low major conference. Um, conference USA is a true mid major and has the potential to be a two bid league in a good year. Um, you know, if they put guys in the league, um, so I think that's going to go a long way of just keeping these guys around and, you know, telling them, Hey, look, you're going to get seen. I mean, look at a school like Florida Atlantic or San Diego state who made a run all the way to the final four from these mid major conferences, you know, um, the playing field has totally shifted and I don't think we're giving that enough, uh, talk. I don't mean us on the podcast. I just mean KSU basketball fans in general. Yeah. Um, I, and I wish we could, I wish there was a way and there's absolutely no way that we could quantify, you know, how much of a difference this move helps in recruiting. It would just be super interesting to know, like if we could just sit down Wooly or Turner or any of the commits and be like, Hey man, if we were still in the a sun, you think you'd be an owl? You know, I, that would just be super interesting to know and what the coaches think about, uh, you know, that aspect. Um, But, you know, another point about these rivals rankings, I haven't looked into them. I don't know how they work. It's like a game of cards, you know, poker, you know, does five, three stars beat two, five stars. Um, You know, classes are different sizes, you know, it's not apples to apples. Right. Um, So I think we were a tick above UGA. I think we were either one or like two or three spots ahead of them. And like I said, they signed one player and he was a five star and we signed five, three stars. So apparently five, three stars is equivalent to one, five star, according to rivals. Um, there you there you go. So, you know, UGA is going to probably pass us soon if they sign anybody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's why I don't put, you know, um, much you know thought into this. But this, you know, unless you don't have anything to add, I have a great segue here. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say before you before you move on, uh, like we said off the air, um, the, the whole recruiting ranking thing isn't something to buy too much into. It doesn't mean we're going to be a top 30 team in the nation in two years. You know, that would be awesome, but that's not what it means. Um, but you know, it's great publicity. I think the basketball team and the media team is doing what they should and promoting the hell out of it. So I'm all for Absolutely. A hundred thousand percent on that. They should be promoting that. Uh, just like KSU baseball should be promoting that right now, the 2024 class is ranked number 48 by perfect game. So, um, you know, just want to talk a little bit about, uh, baseball and we'll, uh, move on to some football. Uh, so, all the, you know, all the signings are in and all that kind of stuff, but uh, there are no surprises on the baseball end, but uh, right-handed pitcher Nolan McKinstry has reclassified to 2024 from 2025. He is ranked at number 400 in the 2024 uh, top 500 on perfect game. He was even higher in 2025 before he was moved over on their system. Again, perfect game rankings aren't great, you know, but you know, it's just, it's fun. Um, Kennesaw State has also gotten some commitments from uh, right-handed pitcher Ellington Hodge from Decatur High School, uh, catcher James McGee of Ola High School, I believe a former teammate of Owls pitcher Nolan Sliver, and outfielder Harper Davenport of Lumpkin County has committed to the 2024 class. Uh, Davenport's dad is the head softball coach at North Georgia. Um, Kennesaw State baseball has also got a 2025 commitment from uh, Drew Hammock. Um, guys, uh, you know, what these scouting reports are saying, do not sleep on hammock. Uh, so, you know, look out for that guy. Um, he's a six, one, one sixty right-handed pitcher from Crawford County high school in Knoxville, Georgia. Um, I knew there was a Nashville, Georgia where Cal Simmons, former owls great was from, but I just found out there was a Knoxville, Georgia. Did you guys know that existed? I honestly had no idea. I didn't know there was a Nashville, Georgia either. I know there are like 
11 Clevelands and one of them's in Georgia and one of them's in uh, Tennessee. So, you know, there's another parallel. It will blow my freaking mind if there's like a Chattanooga, Georgia or something like or a Memphis, <laughs> a Georgia. Memphis, Georgia. I wouldn't want to go to that town, but a uh, Gatlinburg, Georgia. Oh my God. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't know who the hell conquered Tennessee, but you know, get them out of Georgia, man. Keep that stuff in Tennessee. Um, so we discussed it a bit in the post game show the other night. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I think we, uh, getting back to basketball, I forgot to mention this, uh, Braden Lou committed and signed. We kind of implied it earlier. Um, and I know, uh, I know this is a little bit out of order, but uh, I know Nick got to comment alongside Aaron, but Kai, what are your thoughts on Braden Lou? The guy had 20 plus offers. Yeah. I mean, we talked about um, him when we offered him a few weeks back, did we not? Um, he's got out of this class, from what I can tell, the most impressive list of offers. I think there was like a Penn state on there. I think there were a couple other high majors. Um I'm really excited. I haven't seen a ton of film on him and obviously high school highlight reels, you know, aren't, always you know honest um but yeah it's a it's a big get for us it was probably the biggest get of this class um he's got great size um supposedly he can shoot pretty well so give me more six eight guys who can shoot man i want five paul georges out there absolutely man absolutely so uh going into uh football uh, we have a lot of offers. Um, I'm going to try and be as quick as possible on these. Uh, we have a couple players from Hutchinson uh, Community College. Um, Adam Lamar, 6'3", uh, 275-pound defensive lineman. He's actually from Central High School in Macon, so he's pretty uh, local. Um, he is actually offered a couple days ago by Lamar. So Adam Lamar also has a Lamar offer. So makes me wonder if they are prioritizing recruits named Lamar. Um, he also has offers from Jacksonville State, Stephen F. Austin, um, Louisiana Tech, FIU, et cetera. Um, also from Hutchinson Community College, uh, which is in uh, Kansas, I believe, is Daniel Brown, a 6'1", 240-pound linebacker slash edge. Uh, originally from Bishop Ward High School in Kansas City, Missouri, has more offers than I can name, but to name a few, Purdue, Hawaii, Minnesota, Illinois, Washington State. So we are offering, you know, along with the big boys now, I don't think you would have seen quite as much of this in the past. Um, we've also offered uh, Jordan Washington, a 6'1", 215-pound running back from Helena High School in Helena, Alabama. Uh, he has reported offers from a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, FBS group of five type schools also has, you know, Duke, Memphis, Coastal Carolina, Middle Tennessee State, etc. Uh, we've offered Jaden Robinson, a 6'3", 190 wide receiver out of South Walton High School in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Robinson has reported offers from Georgia Southern, Western Kentucky, uh, and a few more as well. Uh, we've offered Devin Ross, a 6'0", 160-pound uh, tiny guy, DB, from Thomas County Central High School in Thomasville, Georgia. He's currently committed to Northern Illinois, but as I always say, you know, if you're reporting offers, how committed are you really until you sign? Um, he has offers from Western Michigan and Wofford. Um, and uh, where's the beef section of this uh, podcast? We have five uh, offensive line gigantic uh, JUCO guys that I want to buzz through real quick. 
Uh, we have uh, Dalen Matoyer, a 6'4", 315-pounder from Mount San Antonio College in Walnut, California. He's from Oak Hills High School in Oak Hills, California. Has some big offers like Hawaii, New Mexico, Buffalo, Old Dominion, and quite a few beyond that. Uh, we have Rodney Newsom, a 6'3", 300-pound offensive lineman from Itawamba Community College by way of Memphis, by way of Briarcrest High School in aforementioned Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Newsom has reported offers from San Diego State, Western Kentucky, FIU, New Mexico, et cetera. Um, the biggest offer, figuratively and literally, as one of my followers uh, tweeted at me, is uh, Jaquan Bolden, a 6'7", 350-pound mountain of a man from uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College by way of Canton High School in Canton, Mississippi. Uh, he has reported offers from Auburn, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Purdue, Chattanooga, and FAMU. Also from that same school, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, is 6'5", 310-pound lineman Greg Nunnery. He's from Macomb, Mississippi, and he is currently committed to Southern Miss, holds offers from Purdue, South Florida, Jacksonville State, Troy, etc. And finally, we have Kaleem Crosswell, a 6'4", 300-pound offensive lineman from Garden City Community College in Kansas by way of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He has an offer from UT Martin and recently visited or is visiting uh, Illinois. Also from Garden City was Owl's former, I think he was all-conference defensive lineman, Tenarius Portress. So we have some history uh, with that school. Um, Kai, you know, what do you think about uh, all this beef? Uh, shout out to Last Chance U, seasons three and four, um, Garden City Community College, hated rivals of Independence Community College, you know, big, uh, big Juco scene out there in Kansas. Um, yeah, the, you tweeted out shortly after our last podcast, because uh, I think we had a couple offers out there, or it was right before we had a couple offers out there. Uh, give me more of these Iowa, Kansas, Juco Community College offers. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, we hit the ground running and, you know, they just started flooding in. Um, I saw most of them. Uh, you definitely brought up some that I just had no idea happened. So I'm learning this now. Um, I love the approach. Obviously, this is kind of the season for that because Juco season is coming to a wrap as well. Um, so now you can start actually offering these kids and, you know, they can start paying attention and not focusing on the football season at hand. Um, but I love it. Hopefully we pull some of these kids out. Um, yeah. Yeah. All these other coaches, they have uh, they have games, um, and we're just out here driving around the country in a van like a homeless person. Yep. We get uh, a bit of a head start, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, you know, I saw a tweet one of the some JUCO coach in Texas said, "Thanks for KSU for dropping by." So Bohannon wasn't kidding. From we're all over the freaking country, from out to California, Mississippi. You know, you name it. We probably have ten coaches just scouring. Well, I don't know. Right. Hannon's probably not out there too far. He'll probably he's probably somewhat closer in the area, but uh, all of his assistants are probably out there making waves. So I'm excited to see who we get. And you know, odds are we're recording this podcast here on uh, you know Thursday, eleven, you know, eleven thirty, twelve or so. Odds are we have another offer that we're missing has been made that's you know we have a whole offensive line to fill and i think that's going to be the attraction to kennesaw state for a lot of these guys like hey you know come here that we we literally have nobody that we can count on um or you know we have some players of course i don't want to discount them or anything like that but we have nobody penciled in that right. we can really you know it's, it's a wide open competition is what i'm saying Right. And the, the thing about these Juco players is they can easily be better than advertised because there's a reason they're playing Juco ball. 
um, whether it be off the fields issues, you know, grades, they just didn't have the offers. And then there's a reason that they're getting these offers. Um, so who knows, we might end up getting some steals that I don't want to say are overqualified to be playing with us, but, you know, maybe better than expected. Um, I did like how you brought up, you know, we're in these battles now with like the Washington States and the, uh, I forget what the other school you said it was, but, you know, we're, we're going up against power five schools now in recruiting. Now we're not going to beat these schools out for any, like, you know, prime recruits, obviously. Not, not often. Not often. It, it might happen once in a blue moon because there's a, a family member in the area or something, but um, it is nice to be on those lists. Um, it is refreshing. Um, and it is clear to see that the caliber of kid that we're going after has taken a big step up. Um, now we just got to ink some of them. And the size of the kid as well. Um, these yes. are all 300 plus pounders. And it looks like we're changing strategy. Last offseason, we hit the transfer portal heavy, but with, you know, NIL and all that kind of stuff, you know, we might be leaving, you know, those kind of guys to the the big boys more or less. I don't know what the strategy, if the strategy has shifted consciously right. or whatnot, but, you know, I'm sure we're still going to be making calls in the portal, but, right. you know, we're, it looks like we're hitting these uh, JUCOs hard and it's going to be very interesting because like I said, we have a lot of spots to fill and, you right. know, we're a lot of these guys we offer, these are not scrubs. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we hopefully can actually land some of these guys because we, we're going to need them. Right. And, you know, we're, uh, you mentioned how last year we went heavy on the transfer portal. And I think a lot of that was just trying to plug holes, um, you know, and make what you could out of last season. Um, obviously that didn't work too well, uh, but that's not to be something to get too defeated over. Um, now it's about building a foundation um, and, you know, people forget and they really shouldn't that we didn't have the personnel that we needed to be successful on offense last year. Um, now that we're getting those guys, I think we might change some minds about Klanakis and Mohan and the whole state of the program. Yeah. It's going to take a few years, um, you know, could easily be very ugly next year. Um, neither of us are denying that, but um, I think there's still a lot of reason for optimism. I like how you call it last year already. Like you've moved. It's on. over. Oh, it's, it's over. so over to me. It's I'm not so this done with year. It. Even no. though the season's going on, it's not this year. It's last year. Our season's not going on. We uh, we won our conference championship. Um, never lost as an FCS independent. Um, you know, hang the banner uh, and move on. I love it, man. I By the way, it. quick note: we finish as the number one FCS program all time as far as winning percentage goes. We kept that. We kept that number one spot as we make the transition. I think we sit at like 70% or just over 70%. Yeah. And the next closest is I think uh, Harvard at like 68%. So we held that title. What a bunch of losers. <laughs> right. Um, let's see here. Uh, you know, finally, we got some uh, other news, some other big news. Uh, it was just announced uh, on Wednesday that there's a home and home series against Louisiana Lafayette. Um, and you know, the the first game is going to be September 7th, 2024, this coming season at home against uh, your Owls. And the second game, the return game will be 2027 in Louisiana. Uh, the Raging Cajuns are currently five and five this year with at least two more to play. They were six and seven last year. So I'm perfectly fine with playing a middle of the pack team. Um, Kai, I just, you know, I do have an interesting question I want to pose to you. But before that, I just want to get your thoughts on the Raging Cajuns and the game. Yeah, man, injected into my veins. I love, love scheduling interesting non-conference matchups. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be the first home one. The, they're a traditionally good, currently middle-of-the-road Sunbelt team, um, from what I can tell. 
Uh, who knows what we're going to look like next year? Who knows how this game is going to go? Um, but I'm glad to have the teams on the schedule that we do have. I think we've got one more spot to fill because I think we play eight conference games next year. I would assume that we add an FCS opponent, so maybe we can hope to pick up a uh, you know a we're guaranteed at, win. We're at 12 games. We're at 12 games? Yep. Okay, so Conference USA is at nine games? Conference USA eight. is eight. We have three FBS opponents, and then we have UT Martin to backfill as the FCS opponent. Okay, gotcha. I didn't know. Like, good call. Good call. Way to way to point that out, Nick. Um, but yeah, uh, I love the schedule so far, John. I know you're not too happy about traveling out west to play San Jose State and then UTSA, but um, I'm just excited to see the names, man. You know, these are these are schools that people have heard of. You know, we're not playing Presbyterian <laughs> two weeks but, but, of the year. But I find raging Cajuns offensive. I mean, who are these Cajuns and why are they raging? I'm going to be uh, protesting outside of the game in 2027. So you'll find me there. It's a microaggression, man. I'm hurt. Are there calm Cajuns? (laughs) (laughs) If we have any Cajun listeners, get back to us and let us know if there are any calm Cajuns. That would be Mm -hmm. tremendous. Um, And I just want to pose um, another question to actually both of you guys. Um, Should we play a non-conference game at Truist Park this coming season? And would Louisiana be the perfect game on September 7th? Because number one, it's harder. I I think it's kind of hard to find people to come to our smaller stadium. This would be perfect. It would give, you know, Louisiana Lafayette fans a reasonable drive to, you know, to travel to um, early on in the season. Um, Do you guys think that this would be a good one to move to Truist Park and get some real attention to for our first FBS game? So I love the idea, but it's not going to happen. I mean, they already put out on all the advertisements that this was taking place in Kennesaw, Georgia. Um, So I I don't think they would do that. I think it would be announced pretty early on if that was going to happen. I love the idea, and I think we should definitely do it at some point. Um, It's a great draw. Uh, You know, we played there against Jacksonville State a few years ago, and it was an overwhelming success. Um, I'm all for the idea. I don't want to you know, fall deep and too deep into the hole of committing to playing like a game there every year. Um, cause that can go South easily. Um, but you know, once every once in a while, you know, that sounded weird, but you know, once, once in a while, absolutely. Um, let's play a game down there. Actually, how would that work with, you know, the, it being that's during the middle of baseball season, right. On in September. Yeah, so, it would, it would have to be a conference game. Yeah, it would have to be a conference game. So that yeah, definitely uh definitely wouldn't work. I wasn't thinking we, about we could that. we could still play a conference game there. I mean we could. We yeah, could. I mean there's no rule against it. You know, tech used to play a bunch of ACC games at Mercedes Benz. Like you can do it. Um, but honestly, I would prefer to have our conference games, you know, at home in the bank, hopefully packed and full of screaming fans on a Wednesday night. I agree, I agree, but I would love to see another one, you know, out there at uh at Truist. Um, well, hopefully, you know, the Braves will be in the playoffs and, uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not happening um, and the game has to get pushed to uh, to the uh, to the bank. So uh, but, yeah, I definitely want to want to see it. And, you know, especially a Jacksonville State game uh, would be tremendous. Um, alternate, you know, uh, uh, producer Nick thinks we should alternate uh, neutral sites, that kind of thing. I don't know. I mean. Trust me, I like as for as much disdain as I have for Jacksonville State, I do really appreciate their campus. I know it's kind of in the middle of an interesting area, but they do have a very nice campus. And I think the renovations are going to do that stadium are going to be more than accommodating if we are playing Mm -hmm. games there. But I think it would be fun to kind of 
start something where maybe it's it's at a larger venue or a more neutral site going forward because this is like our biggest rival i don't mm. know if they consider us our biggest rival. i, I would assume they do they definitely do uh, <laughs> they definitely from, do judging from some of the uh the comments i see on uh on x here and there like but um i, I don't know i think that would be fun or maybe even finding a middle point for for liberty games even down the line maybe in uh in carolina somewhere i don't know if that's a possibility but just some uh some thoughts yeah, uh, I do hate to admit it, but I am completely in agreement with you. It's a really nice campus. Um, it is. It's a, it's a pretty area. It's foothills of the Appalachians. You know, you're. Yeah, I went down there last year for the basketball game. Football stadium is super nice. Um, we need to, you know, we need to take some notes. Um, that being said, we still kick their ass and everything, so that's what's important. The Jacksonville um, State, the Jacksonville State game from 2018 was, uh, I think, November 17th. Just you know, FYI. So I guess they you know, set it far back enough to clear any possibility of the of a world series, world, yeah. World mm-hmm. series or anything like that, you know, getting in the way. So, you know, anything would have to be a conference game or non-conference game that's kind of placed in the middle of the mm-hmm. conference schedule, or it'd have to be a conference game. So mm-hmm. but I think JSU, you know, just that would be a great selling point. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like a rematch of that and they could relive it and, mm-hmm. you know, relitigate everything and mm-hmm. you know. Or hell, man, who knows? Maybe we're competitive a few years down the line. We get cocky and we schedule Liberty there mid-year, you know? And we're like, we got to get as many people as possible into the stadium. Um, So, yeah, I'm not against the idea. Um, I think we should definitely do it as a one-off. But I I am scared of us, like, signing a deal with Truist where we play, like, one home game there a year. I would not be the biggest fan of that. Yeah, it'll be our first game at Truist Park. Exciting. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I'm just no, messing with you with the Sun Trust yeah, sponsorship. I, I knew where you were going with that, John. Now, honestly, but I would rather see the financial investment put back into the stadium rather than leasing the stadium for a game or however much that costs. Because I don't, I don't know what the the budgetary uh, uh, back end looks like for hosting an event at a neutral site. But if it means taking away from potential growth uh, of for fifth third, I, I would probably lean against it at that point. Yeah. Here's a question. Are y'all surprised that we didn't add a bye game this year? We don't play a power five team. I'm I guessing that was intentional partially, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, short notice, that kind of thing as well. I'm glad we don't play a power five team. We don't need that kind of confidence rack next year. Um, perhaps, you know, two years down the line, you know, I'd be open to that. It would be nice to have the money though um, right. coming in, but I, you know, after this past season, just my personal feelings right now. I don't want to be fed to the lion. Interesting to see what happens in 2025. Cause as of right now, we have three non-conference games scheduled and I believe they're all FCS programs. So whether some of them drop off and we, we add along the way, but I think we would have to be playing a game where we're getting paid. I mean, a larger yeah. P five game, we're getting paid to drop some of these uh, games to even be able to afford the the buyouts right. on those contracts right. so i'm almost sure that um we're gonna drop at least one of those fcs games because to make a bowl game um only one fcs win counts towards the six wins and that will be our first year eligible um our first year of being eligible to you know yeah. um be bowl eligible so 
Um, Two I, of them are away as well at yeah. Towson at Utah Tech. Yeah, we are not traveling out to Utah Tech. There's no way that happens. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, we got to pay the buyout. You know, it's not going to be free. Probably not going to be cheap. Um, so you know, if we replace that with a, I don't know, you know, a, a Vanderbilt or a South Carolina, you know, it'd be kind of cool, and we'd be able to pay those off. You know, and you know, yeah. go up against a, a bad SEC team or something, and maybe give them a run. Yeah, feed us to whoever uh, whoever you want in 2025, but you know, 2024, I think we need some time to heal. As a as a as Owl Chat podcast host, let us heal. <laughs> Absolutely, I just don't even want to talk about football anymore, man. I'm so done. <laughs> I, I know, I know, uh, but that's all that I have uh, for this week. Um, you know, I have some listener feedback that you know we're going to kind of go over after the show. Thank you so much for people reaching out to us. Um, they're giving us commentary, emailing us, having stuff to talk about. Um, but do you have anything uh, else to add before we get into the listener feedback, Kai? That's all I got. I'm excited to hear it. All right, cool. So we got, uh, th- thanks again. I got uh, some DMs on uh, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Um, so first comment. Um, these are all based on our discussions uh, from the uh, post-game show, The Last Football Show, uh, with Nick Parada. Uh, While Coach Nick is correct, schools like Jacksonville State just upped their athletic budgets this year. Up until this year, we have been well ahead of them, I guess, in athletic budgets. It's almost certain that the football budget increases are part of the equation moving forward. So basically, this listener is saying that, you know, Jacksonville State was behind us, then they moved up to FBS, they're ahead of us, and now Kennesaw State is going to have to step up and be ahead too, and that could be in a part of the equation moving forward. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, um, but one thing's clear is Jacksonville State was doing things right. Um, I don't know if Sam Houston State or some of these other programs, like in Georgia State back in the day, were doing things wrong. Um, but so far, it's been a complete and total success for Jacksonville State. So um, hopefully we allocate our resources correctly, um, increased budget or not. All right. Awesome. And uh, the next bullet point from our listener, uh, Kai said Conference USA was far and last in G5 athletic rankings, but that's not entirely accurate. Uh, Conference USA is barely behind the MAC this year in football and will without a doubt pass them as the FCS newcomers grow into FBS. Conference USA is far better in basketball and baseball now, even with all the rebuilding. Kai? Yeah, so uh, when I said this, I entirely meant in football. Um, if you want to argue MAC versus Conference USA, I'll agree. I think the MAC is probably slightly ahead of Conference USA right now, but it it definitely is ahead. Um, they've got some solid teams in the MAC. They've got the Toledo's of the world, the Ohio's of the world. You know, they've got some they've got some solid programs out there. Uh, we're a step behind. I'm not saying we can't catch up ever as a conference. Um, certainly wasn't the point I'm trying to make, but as of right now. Uh, we or we being CUSA um, is definitely in last in group of five football. Um, I see no argument against that. We're behind the Mountain West for sure. We're behind the Sun Belt for sure. Um, we're definitely behind uh, the Americans still. Um, the MAC is closer, but I, I still would give them the edge. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Careful, Kai. Saying we, 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 we are not in the CUSA. Don't this appropriate conferences, my friend. That's a microaggression. <laughs> And somebody got on your bad side today, John. I'm triggered. Um, but uh, final note we have, um, Coach Nick is 100% correct on needing to get the stadiums to 15K. That can't be pushed off too far. Um, I coached some baseball for some high school-age kids. 
and uh, they pay attention to that kind of stuff. One guy who is also a uh, two to three star junior wide receiver referred to Fifth Third as, quote, a baby stadium. So, you know, kids do look at this stuff. Um, you know, the other point, um, this is me right now talking, John. The other point of view is that we can't fill that stadium. So, you know, why push it up? However, you know, we anticipate, you know, um, FBS schools will to come play us at our own place. They travel more than FCS does. The fan bases are bigger. Football is more serious. So, you know, if they come, you know, if we bring in a, you know, a bigger school in there, they're going to just fill up that place with their own fans. There's, you know, it's going to be an overflow. And, you know, a lot of schools probably don't want to schedule that. Right. Um, but again, we don't want to see empty seats. So I totally you know, understand both aspects. Uh, Kai, what's your uh, thoughts on this? And I, we've probably addressed it before, but sure. Yeah, no, I mean, people might not want to hear it, but the, the one clear solution here is winning. Uh, if we win at the FPS level, um, we're going to gain interest. If you build it, they will come. Um, there is more than enough of a market, um, to fill up, uh, what is currently fit third stadium. Um, as far as expansion goes, um i'm all for it it looks like we have the space to do it i mean there are like there's an empty corner in fifth third you could easily add some stuff there um that might be where part of the football facility or something is going i'm not sure um but i you know it's it's tough i we have it's not a shitty stadium like it's it's nice enough you know we've got seats instead of bleachers we've got you know functioning bathrooms which is more than believe it or not some schools can say um but it's by far the smallest um, FBS stadium. And I think the only school that comes close is Hawaii. Um, and Hawaii definitely has recruiting pitches that we don't have in Kennesaw. Um, so I don't know. Let's win first. Um, if we win, we'll fill it up. If we fill it up, we'll expand. Um, but we don't we don't get false messages texted to us about like nuclear war like Hawaii does. This is true. This is true. That is uh, that is an edge we have over them. Hopefully we uh, we have like a head to head recruiting battle with them at some point. That would be hilarious. I, oh, we do right now. One of the players I mentioned has an offer from Hawaii. So uh, we do have uh, that coming in. Uh, Dalen Matoyer, six four three fifteen from Mount San Antonio uh, in Walnut, California. He has an offer from Hawaii. So. Um, we might have another one as well. I don't know. I don't have it written down here in my notes. Um, also, a suggestion for recruiting: we get, you know, as you mentioned, we have functioning bathrooms. Get a mm-hmm. billboard, you know, fifty miles to Kennesaw State. Come check out our restrooms and some football. Just what do you think? <laughs> buy out one of the Bucky signs. Buy out one of the Bucky signs. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're making a joke, but unironically, I think that would be hilarious and great promotion. Something that will never happen, but you know. Maybe somebody out there is listening. Um, But we're also going to get some, you know, attention on, you know, more attention on the radio, the AJC, just by being FBS. Like once Georgia State moved over, people, you know, started covering them, whether, you know, I guess probably because they had to because they're FBS, whether people are interested or not, just like hearing it on the radio. You know, Kennesaw State, please, at this this weekend oh kennesaw state plays this school i didn't know kennesaw state played that school i know that school this is legit let me check this out that is exactly what it looks inside the mind of a sidewalk fan um you nailed nailed it right there um but you know we're in this weird standoff where it's like okay well having a small stadium hurts recruiting um but we don't have the incentive to build the bigger stadium because we can't fill up the small stadium, but to fill up the small stadium, we need to win, but to win, we need to land these bigger recruits. Um, So it's like, something's got to give somewhere. We got to, 
we got to make something happen with yeah. what we don't have. Um, how that's going to happen, I don't know. Um, I think we got the right people in place. Um, you know, this this is where I think Bohannon being a proven winner comes in huge because um, at any level, winning is winning. Uh, like we brought up on you know previous podcasts, you know, just having a good culture and getting guys to buy in is huge. Um, and just you know, pump up the guys we do have, see what we can do, get butts in seats, win some games, um, put pressure on the department to expand the stadium, and then it's a butterfly or not a butterfly effect. Well, I guess butterfly effect, yeah. Just from there, and things grow and grow and grow. Um, that's best case scenario. Yeah, it's a it's sort of a, a catch twenty two there. You know, like you just said, you know, you got to do this to get that, but if you don't, they you won't get that. Um, but not in your catch twenty two. Clean restrooms can happen regardless. Um, not to harp on that, but damn it, I want that billboard. Um, so if you're listening at Kennesaw State, um, if you're a donor, I mean, let's make it the cleanest restrooms in Conference USA. There's our selling point. Boom. We've got all 300 pounders we need. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no way we can't beat like Middle Tennessee State in that regard, right? I feel like they got to be lagging. Got to start Absolutely. with this as early. Absolutely. I mean, it's Tennessee, man. Their restrooms must be filthy. Um, but that's, uh, I think that's pretty much all we have on this edition of the Owl Chat podcast. I know there's a uh, press conference uh, this afternoon, Thursday, the day we're recording with Coach Bohannon. So I'm sure, you know, the end of season press conference will have some nice nuggets that we'll be able to share with you next week. Uh, we watch it so you don't have to. Um, yeah. And let's, Kai, do you have anything else? That's all I got. Um, we're going to be back with uh, an interesting interview for you guys. I'm not going to spoil it yet, but it'll be out sometime in the next week or two. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again, and we will see you next week to talk uh, the Pirate Classic. So have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls! <laughs>